If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to uh, Matthew chapter 9. <clears throat> it may, may shock some of you to know this about me, but when I was younger, I, I, was, I was band geek extraordinaire. I grew up playing the drums all, all through school and uh, kind of was just my thing in life for a long time. And perhaps at the, maybe the height of my, my band geekery, uh, for lack of a better thing to call it, uh, I put together this percussion ensemble uh, to play the song, the William Tell Overture. And if you don't know the William Tell Overture, you might know it as the Lone Ranger song, right? We, we all know that one, right? And uh, so I put together the, this percussion ensemble. Uh, we entered competitions. Um, surprisingly, there is competitions for those kinds of things. <laughs> we, we entered some competitions, and um, you know, it just came to mind as I was you know, prepping this sermon, uh, just kind of the nature of, of the William Tell Overture, right? It starts out real soft and real quiet, you know, and, and like in our ensemble that we put together, it just started off with a snare drum, just, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
right? And Jesus, of course, does his thing. He forgives the man's sins uh, and he heals the man. And a lot of times when, um, you know, pastors go to preach this kind of a sermon, they might focus in on, on the faith of the buddies, right? They had enough faith to bring their friend to Jesus, um, certainly part of the text, but, but I don't think that's the main point that Matthew is trying to make for us here. Jesus recognizes the faith in these men. He certainly does. We're told in the Bible in, in Hebrews uh, chapter 11 that faith is the assurance of things that we hope for and the conviction of things that we can't see. And so certainly these, these friends of the paralytic, they had some kind of assurance that, that their hope of their friend getting healed could come to pass. Right? They had a conviction that was strong enough that, that caused them to climb up on a roof, cut a hole in it, and lower their buddy down so that he could get in front of Jesus. We're also told in Hebrews 11 that without faith it's impossible to please God, and that if we would draw near to Him, that we must believe first that He exists, and second that He rewards those who seek Him. So, so this is certainly in our text, the faith of these men. But, but again, I don't think it's the point uh, that Matthew is trying to make, although it is something that we see here that we should take note of. The paralytic, according to Jesus, according to what Jesus does, has a greater problem than his paralysis. These men bring their paralytic body. And, and think about in, in ancient times, right? Uh, ADA wasn't a thing. Wheelchairs probably weren't a thing. Um, you know, constant care wasn't really a thing back in this, this time in history. And so to be a paralytic means that you were really an outcast from society because unless you had a family that would take care of you or, or some good buddies, um, you didn't have anything. You, didn't, you couldn't call social services in to come take care of you, right? And so, so this paralytic uh, had more problems than his paralysis, right? The paralysis certainly was a problem, um, his standing in society would have been a problem. Just the day-to-day um, survival was an issue for this man. And so these buddies, they, they brought their friend lying on a bed and put him in front of Jesus. And it says that in verse 2, when Jesus saw their faith, right? So again, faith, it, it matters. But the bigger thing, Jesus said to the paralytic, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. So Jesus first addresses really what, what we would consider to be the greater problem than the, the physical paralysis is the spiritual paralysis in this man's life. Now, don't let it be lost on you the fact that, that it doesn't seem, at least from what we have in our text, that this man is asking for the forgiveness of his sins. He might have, and Matthew might not have recorded it, but we don't, we don't have that recorded uh, in, in our narrative here, that this man hasn't even asked for the forgiveness of his sins. His buddies, I don't think, asked for the forgiveness of his sins, but Jesus recognized the greater problem and, and dealt with that. And there's maybe a lot that could be said uh, about just God's electing love um, that, that we'll save for another time and another place. But Jesus addresses the sin uh, in this man's life. Now, some people might ask or might, might think in this kind of a circumstance is, well, why was the man paralyzed? Did it have to do with his sins? Was he paralyzed because there was some sin in his life? And, and again, we, we don't have that detail uh, in the text, but there's nothing there that would cause us to think that to be true. 
There was another instance in Jesus' ministry where he healed a blind man, and that was the thaws. Like, you know, why, why was this man born blind? Did he sin or did his parents sin? Right? That, that's not being addressed in this text. This just man, he was just paralyzed. He was paralyzed for some unknown reason to us, um, maybe even likely paralyzed from birth. We, we don't know if he had an accident as an adult and became paralyzed or just was born that way, right? But likely that he was born that way. And Jesus addresses the greater problem. This is the point in the composition where the crescendo has peaked and the crash cymbals are clanging at this point. They're clanging loud and they're clanging hard when Jesus says, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. This healing was to prove something. It was to prove that Jesus had the authority to forgive sins. This is the point that Matthew is trying to make here. Now, this statement in and of itself is a pretty, pretty audacious statement. The religious leaders picked up on it very quickly. In verse 3, we're told that the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. He's speaking an untruth. And in verse 4, Jesus picks it up. He says, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Now, now we, we give the scribes, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day a pretty hard time. And rightfully so, they've kind of earned the hard time that we give them. But, but I think in this moment, they're, they're picking up on something that, that maybe they should have picked up on in this moment. So maybe we can give them a little bit of a break in this moment. The, the Jews of Jesus' day would acknowledge that there's only one person that can forgive sins. Only one. You know who it is? God. Only God can forgive sins. And so Jesus, in making this statement your sins are forgiven. He, he's saying something more than just your sins are forgiven. He's making a statement to all who are there that he's the forgiver of sins. He's making a statement that he's God. Again, crash symbols, just psh, psh, psh. Jesus is letting them know that he's God by pronouncing the forgiveness of sins upon this paralytic. He's healing the spiritual paralysis before addressing the physical paralysis. That's a bold claim. I can stand up here and say to all of you, your sins are forgiven, but how do you know? I can, I can say it, but prove it, right? And so Jesus keys in on these religious leaders and asks them, why do you think evil in your hearts? What's easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? Jesus knows what they're thinking. These religious leaders, they probably wouldn't be all that great of religious leaders if they didn't pick up on this statement and at least for a moment say, wait, what just happened? What, did he just say what I think he said? Is he making the claim that I think he's making? And So they're rightfully picking up on something here. Is it possible and this might be another conversation also for another time, but is it possible that, that God in His sovereignty even ordered that this man would be paralyzed for this moment in history to be recorded? Did God order this paralysis? We don't know in the text, but it's a question worth asking. Right? Did God order that this man would be paralyzed so that this moment would come, so that the crescendo of Matthew's composition where the crash symbols would go off, that we would know 
that Jesus not only is claiming to be God, but in a moment we'll see that He backs up His claim with action that we can witness and that we can see. What's easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? Verse 6, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And do you know what happened? Crash cymbals are still clanging. Verse 7, he rose and he went home. Jesus spoke to his paralysis. And this man picked up his bed and he went home. We can do a lot of things today medically. We can do some remarkable things medically. But I don't, I don't think we've come up with a, with a cure for paralysis. I don't, I don't think we've been able to really do that. And so Jesus, to prove a point here, to prove his point that he does have the authority to pronounce the forgiveness of sins, pronounces healing upon this man and tells him to pick up his bed and to go home. And he did. And it kind of makes me think, it draws my attention back to Genesis chapter 1. Actually, to John chapter 1, where we're told that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then back to Genesis chapter 1, where we see that God created all that existed, everything, simply by speaking it into being. Right? He said, let there be light. And you know what happened? There was light. Right? Let, let there be the bugs and the fish and the birds. And you know what happened? The, the bugs and the fish and the birds, they, they were. Right? Let there be the vegetation, just spoke it into being, and, and it was. And it's this same God speaking this same word, pronouncing not only the, the physical healing of this man's paralysis, but the healing of his spiritual paralysis, the greater problem. He just said it and it happened. This is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. And then we're told in verse 8, it says, when the crowd saw it, they were afraid. Makes sense, right? They've seen something pretty remarkable happen here. We would marvel today if doctors were able to somehow cure paralysis. Imagine 2,000 years ago, this, this unknown man just speaking it into existence, the healing of this paralyzed man, they, they were right to be afraid. They were right to be afraid. It says that they glorified God. Mark's account tells us that they were all amazed and that they glorified God. And so they were maybe, maybe some were afraid, maybe some were struck with awe at what had happened. Matthew's account says that they glorified God who had given such authority to men. Mark's account says that they reacted by saying, we've never seen anything like this before. Jesus does this thing here. He claims to be God. He pronounces the forgiveness of sin. He pronounces healing on this paralyzed man, but, but notice, notice the reaction. Fear and awe, right? good, good reactions to have. Mark's account ends just with them saying, we've never seen anything like this before. 
It doesn't say that, that they were impacted. It doesn't say that they fell to their knees and asked, what must I do to be saved? Their, their reaction was, <laughs> great party trick. Matthew's account, notice, they were afraid, they glorified God, but they said, God, who had given such authority to men, that they missed out, I think, on Jesus' claim Either they missed it entirely, it went over their heads, Jesus claimed to be God, or they were dismissive of Jesus' claim to be God. The religious leaders, they were kind of freaking out over this, but, but the crowd, the crowd, it might have just gone over their head that Jesus in this moment was claiming to be God by pronouncing the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus does this thing, and, and not everybody sees it for what it is. Not everybody recognizes it for what it is. Not everybody hears the crash cymbals clanging. Not everybody pays attention to the crescendo of this composition. The man picks up his bed and he goes home, and the reaction was, you know, wow. <laughs> that, that was about it. That was about their reaction. And assuming for a moment that God in His sovereignty maybe ordered this thing to happen, that He ordered this man's paralysis so that in this moment in history that Jesus could pronounce the forgiveness of sins, thereby claiming to be God, the crowds completely missed out. They missed out on this claim. And I guess what I would want to ask us to consider today, maybe challenge us with today, is that are we missing out on Jesus' claim to be God? I don't think anybody anywhere would really argue with the fact that, that Jesus existed. That, that's, you know, we've got historical documentation of that. Most people, I, I don't think, would argue that, that at least Jesus was a good guy, good teacher. Right? I think people generally would, would say that about Jesus. I think people generally would, would even kind of get behind a lot of things that Jesus said and taught. People generally would get behind the, the way that He lived as He did good things when He walked the earth. And, and we should emulate those things as much as we're able to. But where it gets dicey for many is Jesus' claim that He's God. If Jesus is just a good man then we can look at him and say, okay, I, I should try to live as much as I can like that, try to, to follow his teachings, try to emulate his teachings as much as I can, as much as it's up to me. But what if Jesus is more than a good man? What, what if Jesus really is God? What if he really can pronounce the forgiveness of sins? What if? What if that's true of him? What, what if this wasn't just a cool party trick? What if... What if Jesus is God and what if He can forgive sins? What if He's more than just a good guy? What if He's more than just a good teacher? What if He was more than just kind and more than just charitable and more than just merciful? What if He was more than those things? What if He really is God in the flesh? God among us, Emmanuel. What if? If this claim is true, that He really is God, 
and that he really can pronounce the forgiveness of sins. And also, what, what if it's true that, that whatever problems that we have in our life, our greater problem is sin? What if, what if our problem of sin is greater than the problem of jobs and family and finances and where we're going to live and what we're going to do? I'm not saying those things don't matter, but what if our greater problem is, is the sin that resides in us? What if all of this is true? That everything that Jesus said, everything that He did, everything that we have recorded for us in our Bibles, it matters. It matters. And just like the crowd in this instant, in this instance, I don't want you to miss who Jesus is. I don't want you to miss that Jesus is making this claim to be God. And not only is He making the claim, but He's backing up this claim by not only saying that your sins can be forgiven, but that you can be physically healed so that I can prove to you that I have the authority to forgive your sins. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And so don't be like the crowd who just was simply amazed and, and not much more than, than being amazed. We're, we're told in Scripture that it's our sin that separates us from God. It's our sin that, that breaks the relationship between Creator and creation. It's our sin that has, has messed that up. And it's not within us to cure that. Just like this man was unable to cure his own paralysis, just like we need to go to the doctor when there's something medically wrong with us for intervention, that there's something spiritually wrong with us and we need intervention and Jesus is who we go to for that. Jesus is the one who, who can cure the sin that ails us. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that because of our sin, that we're actually dead in our sin. Our sin has killed us spiritually. Not just a little bit dead, but all the way dead. And that it's Jesus who has made us alive in Him. And so don't, don't miss the crescendo of what Matthew is trying to get at here, that, that Jesus is not only claiming to be God, but He is God. Matthew is showing us that He is God and that He has authority not only over disasters, not only over demons, not only over our bodies and our health, but that He has authority over the things that we can't even really see. His authority to forgive sin. And even him having the authority to forgive sin, it's not that big of a deal if we don't understand the problem of sin. Right? If we don't think our sin is all that problematic, that this might not be all that meaningful. So, so we have to connect the dots and realize that it's our sin that, that keeps us from God. It's our sin that breaks that relationship. And God, in His love for us, in His mercy for us, has made a way to fix the thing that we've broken. He's made a way to fix something that we're incapable of fixing, and that's the broken relationship due to sin. And so the man that can, that can heal, and we have a lot of healing left to go still in Matthew. We're going to see Jesus heal a lot of people. We've seen it already, but we're going to continue to see Jesus heal. But the greater thing that needs to be healed is the problem of sin. And so we don't want that to be lost on us today. We don't want to miss that today. We don't want to miss it 
in the point that Matthew is trying to make. Again, the Jews of Jesus' day would recognize it, that God alone forgives sin. It's not incumbent upon us, to, as we know, to be good enough, to try hard enough, to be good enough, to find favor with God. We, we can't do that. We can't do that. All of us are, are emulated by this paralyzed man laying on a bed who needed other people to do for him something that he couldn't do for himself, right? He needed intervention that he couldn't provide on his own. And it's a picture of all of us spiritually. We're, we're lying on a bed like this man. And apart from Christ's intervention, we're, we're kind of stuck. We're kind of stuck. And so, so my invitation to you today that if you're here and you're, you're a follower of Christ, if you recognize this about yourself, be, be reminded that, that God loves you in spite of your sin and that God has forgiven you of your sin. If you're here today and maybe you're hearing this truth for the first time, maybe you're coming into an understanding of it for the first time, know that, that, that God loves you and that He's ready to forgive your sin. He has made a way for your sin to be forgiven as you come to Him in faith and in repentance and trust in Him to do this thing for you that you could not do for yourself. And so I would ask all of us just to consider consider our battle with sin. Consider the sin that's in us, the thing that, that breaks our relationship with God, and consider that Jesus, the mediator between us and the Father has pronounced the forgiveness of sins because He has the authority to do so. And so rest, rest in the forgiveness of sins. Trust in Him to forgive your sins. Come to Him in faith and in repentance to forgive your sins. And don't be like the crowds who just kind of missed out on this bold claim that Jesus is God. Father, we're thankful this morning. We're thankful that, indeed, you have made a way for us to see things that we couldn't see on our own, that you have opened up our eyes, that you have allowed us to see that you indeed are God, that you do forgive sin, that you have power and authority over everything. We're told in Scripture that that you hold everything together, that you're preeminent over all of creation. And so God, help us to rest in that truth today. Help us to continue to understand uh, the problem of our sin. Help us to understand your great mercy. Help us to understand your graciousness. And help us to be people marked by repentance as we come to you, um, asking the forgiveness of our sins. And so God, help us uh, to have a right relationship with you as we come to you in faith and repentance. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.